Welcome to Election Profit Makers, everybody. It's your guide to winning and, and losing, let's be honest, winning and losing money on political outcomes and current events. And it's hosted by childhood friends, David, that's me, and John. That's him, the other guy. Hey. I'm with Stupid. Remember those t-shirts? Yeah. I'm with Stupid. Hey, speaking of Stupid, did you hear about what Donald Trump did recently? How about that? Is that good? <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> so Donald Trump uh, was seen standing beside somebody, and the person they were standing beside had a shirt on with a big arrow, and it said, I'm with Stupid. And the arrow pointed right to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was so dumb, he looked at it and he said, hey, who's that arrow pointed at? Hmm. hmm. Much to consider in that in that in that joke. Yeah. Was that a good Donald Trump? Was that a good Donald Trump impersonation? He, he asked who was pointing hmm. to because he was so stupid he couldn't even figure it out. Oh yeah, that's better. That's... See, folks, something bad happened in the last couple of weeks. The New Yorker has terminated their contract with Andy Borowitz, <laughs> the great satirist, right. who used to write satirical onion-style headlines and news articles for the New Yorker.com. And in a cost-cutting measure, I suppose, Condé Nast let Andy Borowitz go. And so there's a real void in political satire these days, and I'm hoping that John and I can fill that void. So let me reframe my joke in the style of a fake news article, which is the type of humor that was perfected by The Onion and then um, also used by Andy Borowitz. So the headline would be something like this. Trump bewildered by I'm with stupid t-shirt worn by person standing beside him with arrow pointing to him. That's the headline. And then you and okay. then your your mom or dad sends you the sends it to you thinking it's a real story, because apparently famously that's what happened with Andy Borowitz things. People wouldn't realize it was satire. And then it says, Washington, DC. Insiders say Donald Trump was, quote, shocked and concerned. When someone was wearing a T-shirt standing beside him that said, I'm with stupid with an arrow pointed directly to him. Who is that arrow pointed at, said Donald Trump. And what's the meaning of this T-shirt? He continued. No, he thundered. How about that? He thundered. Mm -hmm. uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said, mm, mm, boogers are tasty. I love to eat them from my nose. Ivanka Trump is also a bad person. And that's the end. His his news articles were so short. Like he would it's all in the headline, right? I mean, I guess that's how that humor works, right? Like 90% of the onion things, you just read the headline and have a chuckle. So people really thought it was real. That's sometimes, why. yeah. Sometimes let me let me I thought it. they were just sending it because they thought it was funny. No, I think some well, I'm sure most Which people was sent just it, as bad, frankly. Let me find let me Google Andy Borowitz greatest hits. Funniest man of all time. Let's see what we got here. Funniest man of all time. Um, <clears throat> I want. I would love to know what what Andy Borowitz was making by the time they let him go. I bet it was so much money you would not be able to breathe or swallow. Like a million. Like no, nothing like that. But I remember hearing once that the former uh, cartoon editor of the New Yorker, the person who chose. Right. Which cartoons ran in the magazine that their annual salary was six hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, so he was making he was making he was definitely making six figures. I guarantee Borowitz was making six figures. So yeah. here's one from okay. January of this year. Kevin McCarthy celebrates one week of being barely tolerated by his colleagues. <laughs> um, that's so good. 
You like that? I'll read the whole article. That's great. Declaring it's time for a victory lap, Representative Kevin McCarthy celebrated one week of being barely tolerated by his Republican colleagues. The California congressman was unable to contain his jubilation after a week in which the GOP caucus appeared to keep its profound loathing of him marginally in check. I'm deeply honored by the display of grudging acceptance through gritted teeth that the caucus has shown for me, he said. The House Speaker said that though his fellow Republicans could vote to oust him at a moment's notice, he decided to be in the now. If it turns out that this week was the only week my colleagues managed not to recoil in disgust at the sight of me holding the gavel, I will have had a good run, he said. That is the end of that satirical article. Okay. I don't want any more. All right. Let's talk about the real news. Baphomet. This fucking people coming for, for Baphomet. What is to be done, John? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Hail Satan. This attack on the Iowa State Capitol... Because the Satanic Temple, you want to talk about some people who are up to some tomfoolery? Yeah. Satanic Temple puts up a Baphomet statue. Actually, why, you know what, John? Let's let Baphomet tell the story. Hi, everybody. It's me, Baphomet. Nice to be with you. I, uh, I'm here to tell you about what happened. They put up a statue of me in Iowa to make a point about religious freedom. And as you know, I am a symbol of balance in the universe, and I was worshipped by the Knights Templar back in the day, and I was happy in my new home in the Iowa State Capitol until some idiot, Michael Cassidy, who I guess is running for office, he's a conservative, he attacked my statue and he tore down my statue. And then he said to Fox News, quote, it was extremely anti-Christian. That was his response when he was asked why he tore the statue down. Okay? Then he quoted a Bible verse, like they always do. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Exactly, my friends. That's why I'm number one, me, Baphomet. Then Ron DeSantis, or should I say Ron DeSanctimonious, went on Twitter to say, quote, Satan has no place in our society and should not be recognized as a, quote, religion by the federal government. I'll chip in to contribute to this veteran's legal defense fund. Good prevails over evil. That's the American spirit. Well, the last time I checked, American spirit is a brand of cigarettes, and Ron DeSantis is all wrapped up. He went up in smoke. That's me, Baphomet. I'm out. Wow, John, what do you think about that? We heard from Baphomet himself. That was really cool. That was interesting. Did not... uh... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what's to say? I what guess is to they say? They put this thing up, right? They're just trying to make a point uh, that they were not, they were underrepresented or that nobody should be represented in uh, a, in a government place, right? Something like that? Yeah, that having any kind of religious iconography in a government building is weird and lame. Right. So, you know, even people, you know, some evangelical Christians in Iowa came out before this happened and just told people to chill out and uh, don't fall into their trap. Yeah. Don't fall into Baphomet's trap. And this the satanic sin, they can't resist. They can't but, resist. You know, maybe maybe everyone got what they wanted. You know, the Satanists got more attention for what happened. I'm sure they loved that it got destroyed. And this guy probably got a lot of money and maybe uh, more name recognition so right at the risk of causing offense it's just like hamas and israel it's like they're both getting what they want you know they're both playing they're both doing exactly what the other wants i'm not commenting and joe biden is just chilling out (laughs) and watching his poll numbers collapse apparently getting frustrated why don't they like me (laughs) hubba hubba 
It's going to be fine. What a year. What a year. All right, let's do a lightning round. Donald Trump compared Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina Mark Robinson to Martin Luther King Jr. That was exciting. Because why? Because he's black? I think it was because he was a better speaker than MLK. Isn't that what it was? I don't know. Yeah, I just saw that and was like, that's crazy. I mean, MLK was a great speaker. Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro both had to write apology letters about their role in trying to overthrow the election. And those apology letters are truly worth your time. Don't worry. It won't take a lot of time to read those apology letters. So I would sue them again based on these apology letters. This actually made me viscerally disgusted. So I'd be interested in hearing from some lawyers out there if they say, I think that I kind of had no problem with this. They they were just told they got to apologize. They're not doing a PR thing. Like if if PR was involved, that you'd write a much better apology. And but it was just like they need to check a box. So they I know, but it made me realize they clearly they, just wrote it on like a napkin. Yeah, I'm sorry to the people of Georgia. And their handwriting, so, their even the handwriting is petulant. Yeah. I mean, they were truly channeling school children. You know. I wonder if it was done like at a like you do it there at the. Um, you have to do it right then and there. Right then and in there. the lawyer's office. Yeah, I kind of respected it. You know, I like, was disgusted what, by it. Okay, like when someone says, "Can you send me in?" an invoice for something, I'm like, oh my God. Right. And then I'm going to have to go format it and figure it out and everything. I would love to just like scribble on a napkin. Invoice. Invoice. And send Meanwhile, it. Rudy Giuliani has to pay $148 million to the Georgia election workers for defamation. Well, that yeah, he's been ordered to pay it. He, he hasn't paid it yet because he doesn't have that kind of money. He better um, write a nice apology. And then they're suing him again, I saw today. I hope they just keep. I hope they sue him every day until he dies. Yeah, well, he came out and they in the, after after he lost, he came out and and basically you know defamed, defamed them. them again. Yeah, unbelievable, so. unbelievable. Eric Adams is in the news. He had a uh, interview with um, a New York reporter who asked him um, <laughs> <laughs> to sum up this very eventful year in one word. Um, and then Eric Adams said, oh, okay. <laughs> the way he summed it up was so good. He said, New York. That was his one word. This is a perfect summary. I mean, if you're the mayor of New York and some idiot asks you to sum up the year in a word, of course, you're just going to say New York. New York actually used to be one word. That can't be true. Yeah, because it used to, it originally had a it had a hyphen in it. Now I'm reading his quote that he said. <laughs> you didn't see that yet? I forgot about it. Okay. We read it. Yeah. He continued. This is a place where every day you wake up and you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center <laughs> through a person who's celebrating a new business that's about to open. The full spectrum of life in New York. You never this know each very, morning very, what you're going to wake up to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a very, very complicated city. And that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. <laughs> He's so weird and dumb. Yeah, he is very strange. This is a place where every day you wake up and you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center through a person who's celebrating a new business that's about to open. And the craziest thing is when you read his quote about the incredible variety of experiences you can have in New York. Follow the plane all the way through, John. You can experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center through a person. <laughs> oh, no. 
who's celebrating a new business. It's oh, about, God. it's almost like the plane went through the building and then flew into a person who's celebrating a new business. That's about to open. Could very well have happened. Oh my God. And that's why it's such a complicated city. And that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. I, I don't disagree with him that it, that it's a complicated city and that it is and it's one of the greatest cities on the globe. But I don't know if 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 what he led with follows in in terms of of his conclusion there. It's it's really really misleading to suggest that planes crashing into the trade center is something where on any given morning you're like yeah maybe it'll happen maybe it won't. You know, like, right. That's it was truly unusual. That was a very I just want anyone who's thinking about moving to New York to rest assured that was an extremely, extremely atypical event in the life of the city. Yeah. Nobody was expecting that. But Eric Adams was like, yeah, who knows? It might happen today. You never know. Oh, my gosh. Eric Adams. We got some polling uh, out of New Hampshire that shows that Haley is surging. Let me check my predict it, baby. She is actually, it's got Trump at 44% and Haley at 29%. DeSantis is in third place at 11 and mm. Christie's right behind him at 10. Ramaswamy at five. So I at first thought, okay, maybe, maybe this is something, maybe this is something, but then it's New Hampshire, right? Yeah. These aren't the, real. This is not MAGA, deep MAGA country. No, I mean, like the Republicans in New Hampshire are, you know, pro-choice. They drive Subarus. I mean, well, there's, I mean, they're still supporting Trump, but I, I can't imagine that this is going to translate to anything else. I wonder, though, if it's time for Christie to drop out, because certainly if he dropped out, wouldn't his 10 percent go to Haley? Well, Christie's 10 percent is probably not going to go to Trump. No. So, yeah, I would say Haley because everyone knows DeSantis has done this. Everyone, everyone on his campaign and the super PAC is quitting. So if if I know New Hampshire is not representative of the, the Republican Party of today, but still, if she were to come really close to winning there. Then Christie should drop out. Or even win. Yeah. That would be a big boost in the media. And then, you know, it could could snowball. They would love writing articles about, is it finally time for Nikki Haley? Right. Does Nikki Haley have what it takes? So any movement on predicted? I don't, probably not. The only big movement that I see is that Donald Trump has overtaken Biden in the 2024 presidential election winner market. Trump trading at 41 cents to Joe Biden's 40 cents. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Robert F. Kennedy at five, Vivek at three, Gavin Newsom at eight. Nikki Haley at 12. Hmm. But in terms of the GOP presidential nominee market, it remains more or less unchanged. Donald Trump clobbering everybody at 79 cents. And where's Haley? Haley is at, give me one moment, John, to click on my computer button. Haley's at 15 cents in second place. Ron DeSantis at six. Hmm. At least I'm making money shorting Ron DeSantis. Thank so God. it was a bad week for Biden. Terrible, oh, yeah. terrible poll numbers. Yep. Uh, everybody hates Biden. The kids, even Democrats, think that Biden does not do a good job on uh, infrastructure. This guy passed like the biggest infrastructure bill. I know. He and can't he, catch a break. And he's, he's polling behind Trump on who would do a better job on infrastructure. But the Fed did signal this week that they have some rate cuts coming in 2024, two, maybe three rate cuts. 
And I think that that could have an effect that certainly won't hurt Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, the stock market had a huge jump this past week. And I think this might be the bottom for, for Biden. Think it's only you think it's only going to go up from here on out? I, well, I don't I don't think it can go lower than this. What if something crazy happens in Israel? Well, then, I, yeah, I think if something crazy happens, in, but what on earth could happen that's any crazier than what's already happening? I don't know. Why is it telling me I don't have sufficient funds to sell Ron DeSantis no shares? How does that work? Yeah, I'm selling it's a ne- negative risk. Oh, for Pete's sake. All right. I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. John, there's huge news in the world of Oklahoma City and building construction, and I know you wanted to talk about it. What's the deal with this new building that might be going up in Oklahoma City, the world's dumbest city that our friend wrote a book about? (laughs) Well, yeah, speaking of the onion, I fucking hate that city so much. An onion article. This was in the Oklahoman uh, yesterday that they are putting together a proposal. It's a place called the. Brickyard or Brickle or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's it's based off the Brickle area in Miami. Who knows? But it's it's uh, you know revitalization project in Oklahoma City, and they are proposing building a hundred and thirty four story skyscraper, uh, which would be one thousand seven hundred and fifty feet tall. It would be the second tallest building in the Western Hemisphere behind. One World Trade Center. Otherwise known as the Freedom Tower, which is 1,776 feet in height. 1776. The spirit lives on. New York City, you never know what you're going to wake up to. That's true. Um, But that that Freedom Tower is in New York City, so it makes a little more sense. This would be in Oklahoma City, which, you know, is, is, is like one of the least dense places in the country. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I kind of think this is not going to happen. No, this is definitely not going to happen, but I'm rooting for it so hard because <laughs> okay. it will make it, Oklahoma City already has <laughs> one of the most ridiculous skylines because they have the Devon Tower, which is 844 feet tall. It's one of the tallest buildings in the United States. And their second tallest building is 500 feet. So they are, it's crazy how much taller that building is. And now they want to build a building that is more than twice as tall as the Devon Center. <laughs> that will look really, now I'm looking at it, it will look really crazy. Okay, I'll root for it. I'll root for it. No advertisers this week, folks. I'm surprised. It's the Christmas It's the Christmas holiday shopping. We're, it's too late. It's too late. Is it you too late? Yeah, it's too late. All right. If you don't, if you don't got it, you're not going to get it. Okay, got it. Oh, it's a stressful time of year. You hanging in there, buddy? Hanging in there. Hangs tough, okay? Just promise me you'll hang tough. I will. I sent your holiday card. Probably hasn't arrived yet, but I sent it. Thanks. I haven't sent you anything. Well, you need to get on that because I I have many desires for things I want this year. I I could give you a... I ordered this whole thing and it hasn't shown up yet. And then I was... Well, anyway. All right. Do we want to tease our... uh, End of the year. Yeah, let's do a little tease. We're working on something big, folks. We're working on something big that will be on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. Let's just say it involves... This was actually, I think, a listener suggestion. Yep. The listener said, who's going to win bad boy of the year? Yeah. So we're making a full fucking bracket. This is going to be a real... This is going to be an episode to remember. 
Yeah, we're going to have a battle it out. I'll tell you, it's hard. It makes me really feel for the the NCAA basketball committee when they're doing these brackets. You see how tricky it is, right? You have to balance these brackets. Yeah, yeah. It is tricky, yeah. And then you see these people... You see these people who seem like such bad boys, and then you realize like, oh, this person has no legs. They're going to get clobbered in the first round. Right. And they're going to be out. Then you see some of these other people, these dark horses, like the Richmond Spiders. Remember that year when they had such an amazing run? It's like, yeah. oh, shit, so-and-so might 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 surprise people this year. This might be a real bad boy. The Richmond Spider Boy, man. That was like 1991. Yeah, it's, I could not believe there was a basketball team All called right. the Richmond I'm, I'm Spiders. Gonna <laughs> I'm going to do this from memory. I'm going to say it was 1991. Uh, Richmond Spiders were a 15 seed. And who did they beat? I don't know. Stuff like that. I just remember the name. Indiana. I think it was maybe Indiana. Anyway, folks, we're going to try our best to have it done by the end of the year. We're both knee-deep in holiday stuff, but we want to make time to do our bad boy of the year bracket. We'll keep you posted. John, let's turn now to listener questions. All right. Listener questions, listener questions. We got a huge mailbag of fresh, hot, spicy listener questions. But before we get to the questions, folks, I owe you all an apology. Last week, I was remembering with with despair, the fall from grace of one Chris Cuomo, brother of New York, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I misspoke when I said Chris Cuomo worked for MSNBC. Of course, he worked for CNN. And it was from CNN that he was dropped rather than MSNBC. Right. I apologize to the Cuomo family. That dynasty has been playing a huge part in New York politics for many generations. And I apologize to Chris himself, who has found a new home analyzing GOP debates on News Nation, my new favorite TV channel. I also apologize to his brother, former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. And it is time for me to come out of the closet as a Cuomosexual. I am the last American. I came to it late that I'm here now. You can call me a Cuomosexual. I was skeptical of those guys when they had their little tete-a-tetes at the height of COVID. Yeah. I didn't see what my friends saw in those two. But now that I have some remove and they're both <laughs> they're both out in the wilderness, lost and disgraced, now I say, now it's time for me to love these men. Chris and Andrew, you have a new friend, a new fan, and his name is Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. All right, Johnny, let's get to some of these listener questions. Boy, oh boy, people were really hitting us up this week. Yeah. You want to talk about your colossal mistake? Yes. Okay. God. I know you were hating this. I really, really hate that I made this mistake. Uh, apparently, the Ohio University or Ohio University is not a private college. And I don't know... I have must have had that wrong in my head for years. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing where, speaking for myself, when I heard you say that, in my mind, I was like, that can't be right. That that thing is a private institution? Yeah, I just, I, I probably been telling people that for years. You probably learned that when you were nine years old from some other kid in the right. locker room or, yeah. the, or the basketball court, and you just internalized <laughs> it, and you've been spread yeah. misseeding misinformation for decades. It really is. I, I don't know how I made it. Maybe the fact that it is. Um, I No, I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. But I am sorry. And uh, yeah, should we read some of the letters about it? Um, Greg writes in, 
Ohio University is a public school. Miami of Ohio is a private school. Ohio State is the flagship, a.k.a. land-grant school, from the 1862 law that provides for higher education. Cornell and Tuskegee are the rare private land-grant schools. I had no idea that, that, that there were private land-grant huh. schools. Virginia Tech, NC State are also land-grant schools. Also, I think Texas A&M is one as well. Uh, they often have agriculture, science, and engineering in contrast to more traditional liberal arts schools. He concludes with, also, also I passed through Rochester, Minnesota on the way to Chicago from the Twin Cities, a skyline in the fields of Southeast Minnesota. Curious to hear your thoughts. Okay, before we get to his skyline analysis request. Okay. What's this thing about land grant schools? Our flag he says Ohio State is the flagship school, aka the land grant school. See, that's that's a little bit confusing to me because the land grant school in North Carolina, as he pointed out, is North Carolina State. Which is not the flagship school which of the is North not Carolina system. The flagship. In fact, I think most places the land grant is not the flagship. Jesus, that means Greg is all wrong. No, I don't. I just, I think, you know, Virginia Tech is not the flagship. Greg. Michigan State's not the flagship. Greg, why are you putting us through this saying that the flagship schools are otherwise known as the land-grant schools? Clemson is not the, the land, they, it is the land-grant, not the flagship. Greg, all I got right. nothing left in the tank after this year. You can't be pulling this bullshit on us. You can't battle misinformation with more misinformation. Okay, Greg? And Miami of Florida is a public school. Mm. But Miami of Ohio is a private school. They're both private. Oh, fuck me. God. And now you're doing it. Now I'm getting it from Greg and I I don't know what's I would love to just just have a friend who is not constantly manipulating my my innocent mind. Is that too much to ask? That's, That's all I want for Christmas. Okay, can we get can a we get friend to the... who will not constantly manipulate my innocent mind? Santa, do you have room for that in my stocking? I guess he'd be a tiny friend. That's fine. I can be friend with a doll, a nice doll, a nice honest doll. That's what I want. A little um, like GI Joe. Remember GI Joe? He was an upstanding guy. Penn State might be a land grant and and also the flagship because mm. I don't know what the land grant is there. All right. Um, let's talk about this. I'd never heard of this city, Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, the Mayo Clinic. That's, oh, is that's that where that's it, from? It, what it's famous for. But we were talking about the Mayo Bowl last week. Now we're talking about the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> that's right. So I've been updating my skyline uh, rankings. You know, which yes. are, are based on the the average height of the ten tallest buildings in each city in North America. And uh, I'd been doing that uh, in the last few weeks and had noticed Rochester, Minnesota. So I was glad hmm. to get a question about it. And I I do, I love the skyline. This, um, I looked it up and now I can't remember what it is, but this, this uh, building here in the middle looks like it was built in like the 1930s. John, Very- you posted this really nice photo actually of the skyline in our in our Google document. Our yeah, outline it, for today's episode, and there's a building that has it's been a, lit up in blue and green. Hang on, just let me look it up. All right, maybe they're celebrating the release of Aquaman, the hero from the sea. 
a new movie coming from Marvel. Marvel Studios, folks, did not. It's time for a little Hollywood update within the listener question update. Marvel Studios struggled this year, it turns out. Their movies did not do well. But perhaps Aquaman will set box office records thanks in part to the viral marketing of Rochester, Minnesota, lighting up this old, I don't know what era this is, Art Deco building? Looks like a hotel. Looks the like a really building is the the name of it. Is it a hotel? Looks like a really good hotel. I think that it still has Mayo Clinic stuff in it. Mm. So it, it says it's one of the most uh, one of many architecturally significant buildings on the Mayo Clinic. Hmm. So it was uh, built in 1928. It was the tallest building there until the 90s, I believe. It's currently the third tallest building. But back to my skyline analysis in terms of uh, where it ranks. Yes, please. Rochester ranks – now, this is going to sound bad, but it actually ranks as the 86, 82nd best slash tallest skyline in North America. This is according to you. This is according to me, and this is based on a calculation of the average height of the 10 tallest buildings in that city. And then the city that ranks number one has the highest average. So, And that city is what? New York because of the Freedom Tower? Yes, that, the city, that city is New York. Um, and Rochester ranks 82, but if you were to look up where Rochester ranks in terms of its population for its metropolitan statistical area, it actually ranks 207 in the U.S., so punching way above its weight. So its skyline height is outperforming its MSA. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. Hmm. Much to consider in these words of wisdom from Long John yes. Silver. Ro- just, you know, since we're talking about Rochester, Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. it, it ranks 65 in average height and its MSA is ranked 53. So it's more in line there. Mm. And what if Miami, Florida versus Miami of Ohio? Let's compare another another twin cities, as it were. Well, is there any comparison to be made there as there is between Rochester, Minnesota and Rochester, New York? I I don't know how big Miami of they Ohio should tur- is. We should be on ESPN. This should be a TV show on ESPN. You think? Yeah. Don't you think we could sit at one of those big desks like Kenny Smith and Shaq and we could yeah. and you could rank all these skylines and stuff? Yeah. And I could ask you little questions and I could be like a little provocateur, you know, and I could say, <laughs> I could say on that note, well, let's all fall asleep and die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let's not talk about this email anymore. Let's move on to another email. That's okay. what I mean to say. Okay. We're not, let's not read any other oh um, God, emails so about many. Ohio universities. Yeah. There's only so much all abuse right. we can take. But speaking of topics that got a lot of listener feedback. I was really heartened and encouraged by how many mail carriers wrote in last week when you were fantasizing about taking up a job with the U.S. Postal Service. I knew we had more than one mail carrier. I think we got four or five um, missives. Now, most of them were very encouraging. These mail carriers seemed eager to count you among their fellows. Join us out on the streets, John. Help us deliver this mail. But I want to read an email that we got from a mail carrier, um, who maybe whose name we shouldn't mention because this person does criticize the Postal Service. So we'll say this mail carrier is his name or her name. <laughs> Keep you on your toes. 
is S, okay? S as in Stephen. The, the, the subject line of his email was, so you want to be a mailman? And the email begins this, my advice, John, don't do it. While I absolutely love my job, I don't think anybody with any sanity should be starting off as a new mail carrier nowadays. All I do is walk all day and put paper into metal boxes. It's great. The problem is that the post office is unbelievably mismanaged at literally every level. The good carriers don't get promoted to management because they know better than to even apply for the position. So as a result, most offices' terrible management work the carriers too hard and everybody ends up quitting, making the workload heavier for those who are too stubborn to leave. It's not uncommon for new mail carriers to work 12 to 14 hours a day. After two years, you can choose to only work eight hours a day if that's what you want, but most people don't make it that long through all the abuse and the low pay. The only reason I can recommend that anybody work for the USPS would be for the sweet government pension. First, you average your three highest paid years. Your pension would be 1% of that for each year worked. So if you work there for 30 years, you get a 30% pension. God, can you imagine? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I have to just take Uh, a breath. Plus your 401k and whatever else you have saved up for retirement. If you don't want to retire from this career, however, it's just not worth it nowadays. Okay. So this was the rare dissenting voice from a mail carrier. Everybody else who wrote in was like, yeah, you should do it. It's a lot of fun. Well, I got I got one other person who wrote in and said it's not a, not a great idea. Oh, really? So. Okay. So this mystery person then goes on to, to throw cold water on me, not content to dash John's dreams of being a letter carrier. He, critici- he criticizes my hypothetical conversation about, about signal chain and fuzz pedal placement on a pedal board. This person continues also, David, I always thought that um, you were supposed to put your fuzz pedal first before any sort of compression that you might be getting from whatever other pedals you're using. Has thinking changed on this front nowadays? I'd love to learn more and get caught up on modern setups. Now, I can't, I can't tell quite if they're being sincere with that question. Now, it is true that last week when John and I had one of the great conversations in human history when he started asking me about, about pedal boards, and I had a hypothetical situation where we were talking about somebody who had their fuzz after their overdrive pedal rather than before their overdrive pedal. And even as I was saying it, I was like, I'm not actually sure if that's how it's done. But I did some research and mystery, um, mystery letter carrier is correct. Most people put the fuzz before the boost. I don't understand. And I really don't understand that. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, I read one thing that said it depends on how many transistors are inside your fuzz pedal. I guess because older fuzz pedals, I you know what? I can't even fucking I like I read this shit and I just zoned out. Like I, I I don't know, John. But they just. I'm not going to fake it. It interferes. The electromagnetic. I don't think it's EMF stuff. I don't think it's electromagnetic interference. I think it has to do with your fuzz needs a hot signal coming right out of your guitar pickups. This is all. See, this is all guitar stuff, and I don't use these pedals for guitars, so I don't know what traditionally like. Well, if you're using a humbucker pickup, you got to run it straight into your fuzz, and then do your overdrive. Man, I don't know. That stuff matters, man. I know it does, and I don't understand it. And I apologize to you, John, and to our listeners if anyone rearranged their signal chain because I erroneously said that the fuzz should come after the boost. I apologize, especially if you got kicked out of your band because of it. 
<laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. Voice memo from listener Jessica with a hypothetical motto for Washington, D.C. Oh, my God, David and John. I finally have something to contribute to the show. I've been a longtime listener. I'm not sure why I enjoy your rambles so much, but I do. Not always my personal you know, um, topics of hyper-focus, but for some reason it's enjoyable to listen to y'all. But in any case, D.C. is for freaks. That's the motto. Washington, D.C. is for freaks. Uh, yeah, my lovely kinky boyfriend did some research. We, we live in another li- small liberal pocket of Virginia. Um, so, you know, we have proximity to D.C. We wanted to take a little vacation. And my boyfriend discovered that many people consider our nation's capital, our nation's capital to be uh, the kinkiest place in the United States. How interesting. Um, You know, who knows? Perhaps you could do some research to validate this statistic or your listeners could do. Uh, I certainly can't back it up personally, but I did uh, have a very intriguing experience um, at a club in D.C. uh, that, you know, was very interesting indeed and not... um, not for the faint of heart and uh, certainly not boring. I walked around this place, I'll have you know, with my boyfriend on a leash. So, you know, DC is for freaks. That's my suggestion. And, you know, I'll just plug. I think Virginia is for lovers. That's pretty sexy. But uh, DC is for freaks. Love you guys. John. Last week, we were talking about Nikki Haley in the GOP debate saying that for every 30 minutes Americans spend on TikTok, they become 17% more anti-Semitic. Do you remember that incredible statistic? Yeah. The specificity of it was spellbinding. Yeah. Why don't you read this feedback we got from Melody? Melody writes in, hi, as someone with two graduate degrees in media studies. That's good. You need to start off your letter by telling people why they should listen to you. So it's like in good. that movie when Leonard, Leonardo DiCaprio says, you had my attention, now you have my interest. Oh, what movie was that? Oh, it's called, Dan- Jan- it's called Django Unchained. He it was, was like in that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a quick little Hollywood update here, y'all. Leonardo okay. DiCaprio was in a Quentin Tarantino movie called Django Unchained. He played like a plantation owner, a slave, a slave owner. Yeah. And Django, who was like a freed slave played by Jamie Foxx, shows up to kill everybody. Slaveholder. Slaveholder. Is that what we say? Yeah, we don't say slave owner anymore. We don't even say slave. We say, we say enslaved people. Oh, right. I've heard that too. Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever he was, that. he was a bad guy. Okay. Yeah. And at one point he says, you had my attention. Now you have my interest. Or he says, you had my interest. Now you have my attention. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So that's what is the case with Melody. Do right you now. think Leonardo DiCaprio is keeping all the fake teeth that he's wearing in all these historical movies? Because I just in Django Unchained, his teeth are really fucked up. And in um, Killers of the Flower Moon, I think he must be going to the. The, I don't know who makes the fake teeth that actors wear in movies. Maybe it's the costume department. 
and he says, I really want these teeth to fuck my shit up this movie. I really want to fuck my shit up. I'm yeah. tired of my real life perfect teeth. I need some really right. gnarly teeth because he's really had some gnarly teeth. And he also made a movie where he lived in the woods with a bear and he crawled through the snow for like two hours. It was really crazy. It was called The Revenant. Do you know the movie I'm talking about? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie, I suppose, because it is snowy. And I think his teeth were fucked up in that movie, too, because anyway, Leonardo DiCaprio if someone from his team could get back to me and let me know if I, I imagine that in his bedroom, he has a shelf with just all these fake teeth, these prosthetic teeth that he wore in all his movies. Right. Starting with like uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Did he have fucked up teeth in that movie? Probably. And then uh, The Basketball Diaries. And did he have fucked up teeth in Titanic? No, I think his teeth were beautiful yeah, in his Titanic. Teeth were crazy. No, crazy. now you're okay. You're pulling my leg. Let's <laughs> get back to Melody and her two yeah, graduate yeah, degrees I mean, in media studies. He's like this beautiful man. His <laughs> teeth are not fucked up in every movie he's in. They would have been so incredible if in Titanic he just had the most <laughs> Shane McGowan teeth. Like, yeah, we're going for it. Yeah. Anyway, okay. okay, let's get back so, to Melody. Yeah, Melody says, as someone to, with two graduate degrees in media studies, I know perhaps too much about these kind of statistics, i.e. Nikki Haley saying people become 17% more anti-Semitic after 30 minutes on TikTok. Not to sound hyperbolic, but that kind of conclusion is laughable in the media studies world. It has been people's careers to show any direct effect that media, including video games and social media, has on people? The short answer, there are too many outside variables, pre-existing beliefs, willingness to change perspective, etc., that can impact a person's behavior, belief system to be able to pin it just on the media. It explains why some people have strong reactions to playing violent video games and others don't. There are underlying factors that ultimately impact a specific person's reaction. I would be skeptical of any study you hear about that tries to draw a cause-effect line between the media and a group's behavior beliefs. Hope this helps add some context from the research point of view. Well, this is interesting, Melody. Let me think on this. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, but I think what maybe what she's saying is... That the specificity of the statistic is what's bullshit. Truly, it's the case that you could spend time consuming media that in aggregate makes a population more or less anti-Semitic. Mm. I mean, Fox News has made old people more conservative and has pushed their yeah, beliefs to the, the right. Yeah, but it's the effect. There's all sorts of different variables going on. Well, sure. But if if any particular variable can't be isolated because there's too many other variables. I mean, then all the variables just disappear. I mean, so you're just saying overall. So I'm saying it, you it, must be able to speak in a general sense about cause and effect and media influences. I agree that Nikki Haley saying for every 30 minutes you spend on TikTok, you get 17% like, come on, don't this, you're, you made it, you, you got a little too scientific there, you know? Right. It's not predictive, perhaps. Maybe they're just saying, from this particular study, this is what we showed. Right. Can that study be replicated? Mm. Can that study be replicated? I don't know. A lot of problems in the social sciences with stuff like that. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. We apparently. have got to get on ESPN. 
There's so many problems in the social sciences with stuff like that, right? Yep. All right. Chris writes in. Oh, shit. Here we Hello, go. Hello, John and David. Have loved the show from day one. In return, please agree with me about a difficult skyline-related matter that comes up every winter. We've got more skyline Winter questions. skyline issues. I don't like – okay, he writes, I don't like when buildings line their perimeters in white lights causing them to look like giant Christmas presents. Fuck you. I disagree. I love that. Just wait. Just scare him out. He says, I struggle to articulate why. Is it gilding the lily? No. Is it too on the nose? No. Is it choosing the beautiful over the sublime? No. Tidy outlines over the true chaotic nature of existence? What are you talking about, you damn idiot? What is so chaotic about the outline of a building with I or without? I can't even oh. name the offense, but it just feels connected to the broader 21st century sins. This guy Millennial definitely has two degrees in media studies. <laughs> squashing Gen X aesthetic anarchy. This, this is Cocaine City, man. This is, this is all. This, this, uh, this person read some Baudrillard and then did some lines and is now like you know what i hate man it's these fucking christmas lights on the edges of buildings that are denying us the chaotic nature of existence don't they add chaos a little bit yeah exactly okay so he continues this sounds like grinch like muttering but i'm not a grinch i love the world i okay. want to see its true contours okay every city. year i think more loved ones will agree with my incomprehensible ravings but few do Maybe I'm just wrong. You're or maybe wrong. Maybe you'll agree with me. Nope. And everything will be amazing. It will not. Or maybe you can at least put a wise EPM finger on what I'm saying, if only to reject it. Okay. So it sounds like David is totally rejecting it. I'm not rejecting it. What? I'm not rejecting you it. You don't think it looks cool when they put white Christmas lights I around mean, the- it, I I I Lights are- you got to be careful with lights. Okay, now you line. need to be careful you... with your language because Christmas lights are number one. That's like one of the few technologies. I that just cannot really be have a problem with cities that try too hard and do a lot of over the top lighting. I think a few lights, but uh, outlining a building, no, it looks tacky. You want to hear a Christmas memory? This is a proper Christmas story. The one time I ever went in the woods and actually chopped down a Christmas tree was because my it, it was because my dad hated colored Christmas lights. He thought they were gauche. So growing up, we would always buy a tree from a tree lot, and yeah. then we would put ornaments and white Christmas lights on it. Classic white Christmas lights. Yeah. And I was a kid, and I wanted a little more razzle dazzle, you know. And I wanted colored Christmas tree lights. And my dad was like, well, we're not going to put that in the living room because that'll look trashy. But if you really want colored Christmas lights, I suppose we can go out in the woods behind the Dean Dome and, and cut down a Christmas tree and drag it home. And then you can have your own Christmas tree in your bedroom with colored Christmas tree lights on it. So we did that. This and this dates it actually. This, this will date the memory because this is before they had built the the or basketball arena in Chapel Hill, and it was just woods. And wow. my parents, before they built that arena, knew all that land was going to be raised, and so we would go take ferns and transplant them in the yard and stuff. And so one winter, I mean, so and I remember nineteen eighty four, yeah, eighty three, yeah. And I was I was young. I, I think I was yeah. in elementary school, and in my memory. 
probably because I've confused it with like a Courier and Ives print or Christmas card or something. I remember there being snow on the ground. And my dad and I went out in the woods with a saw and found a little tree and cut it down and dragged it back down the road to our house. And I had my own private Christmas tree in my bedroom. And were there very many colored lights blazing on that tree? I wrapped the fuck out of that tree. It looked like I was sleeping in Times Square. It was so intense. And I had them blinking and strobing. It was like going to a rave. That's awesome. And I don't know why we had the colored lights if my dad was so aesthetically opposed to the colored lights. But we did have them. And eventually, as he got older, I think he decided to have a little fun. And he started putting up colored lights on trees outside the house. But anyway... I thought of that because you said that you don't like it when cities try too hard and go too crazy with the lights. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like my dad. You want it to just be a single strand of white lights. Yeah, something classy. Something classy. I don't feel that way about Christmas lights. We had big, gaudy. Right. The ones that look like, they're so big. They were so, yeah, yeah, they were very hot. Like eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Those were awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, I strongly disagree with every word in Chris's email to us. All right, let's move on. Alex writes in, you guys have touched on some of my favorite things in recent episodes, namely Star Wars and comics. But I cheered when David said he went to see Godzilla minus one and that he really enjoyed it. I'm a huge Godzilla fan, Alex proclaims proudly. I know Godzilla like John knows UNC football. Okay. If you're looking for another movie rabbit hole to go down, then I would suggest Godzilla movies. There is a 69-year history with over 30 movies. You would definitely enjoy the Japanese original, Gojira, released in 1954. John mentioning his disappointment with Godzilla, which, yes, is styled in all caps, has given me my first and maybe only chance to correct John. The movie, Godzilla, all caps, was actually released in 1998, not 1997, as John said. However, to his credit, John is right that the movie is fairly bad. G-fans, I assume that means Godzilla fans, Mm -hmm. G-fans generally agree, after 25 years, that Godzilla is an okay monster movie, but is the worst adaptation of Godzilla himself. For a long time, that monster was referred to as Gyno. Godzilla in name only (laughs) and is officially called Zilla. Toho had the real Godzilla easily kill Zilla in 2004's Godzilla Final Wars. I've included the clip of that conflict. Toho, I think, is the Toho might be the Godzilla studio that made Godzilla minus one. Right. Anyway, this guy's really sounds like he's really into Godzilla. So that's very interesting. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks for correcting me on that. I, you know, I, a lot I, of I threw that date lately. out. I should have been, I should have been more careful. You're getting a little loosey goosey with the facts. You're stomping all over the all over the facts, like Godzilla stomping all over some metropolis in Japan. Yeah, I just feel yeah, '97. I feel like that's when uh, that's when I moved to New York. But obviously, I was still there in '98 and '99. In 2000. There were a lot of big movies in the 90s. You ever see that movie Swingers? Is that good? You know that movie? Uh, I I think I saw that. Vince Vaughn. I I felt like that was good and that I laughed and thought it was funny, but that was, you know, me 23, four years ago. I think they were all wearing bowling shirts. It's when people wore bowling shirts with flames on them. Remember? 
Mm. Isn't that the style? Like, um, you go to a cocktail lounge in LA and everyone's wearing like these really wide shirts. I don't know how to, they're wide shirts. The shirts yeah. are wide. Do you know what I'm talking don't, about? Yeah. No. Okay. He called everybody baby. Yeah. Right. Swingers. And the and that was from the 90s, John. There was many interesting movies from the, the, Ma the Matrix. Have you ever seen The Matrix with Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Was that 98? 97? It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and see the true nature of reality. Yeah. With your so two degrees in media studies, now you can truly see the true yeah, nature I, of reality. I enjoyed The Matrix. And then, um, let's see, was Saving Private Ryan. I saw that in New York. I never saw that. I saw Eyes Wide Shut in New York. Great movie. Worst movie what? ever. What? I hated that movie. Jesus, dude. That's I was one sitting of the in the front row. I don't know. It's something about having to watch an orgy sitting in the front row. Any disappointment that you felt watching that orgy is by design. Right. That is one of the great misunderstood movies of the 90s. And that well, movie is terrific. I was terrific. too young, you know. I, yeah, I, you're probably I, too I young. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. God, what a great movie. Uh, Three Kings. I saw that. Front yeah. row with Mike and Aaron yeah. in Union Square. That was a good movie. I haven't rewatched that movie. That was a good 90s movie. Where was I? You I saw left. that in New York too. Yeah, you had left. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe we were avoiding you. Yeah. All right. Let's put a pin in the 90s and we'll talk about the 90s and 90s movies at some other, some other point. Okay? Okay. Let's move on to more listener questions because, boy, these are really getting backed up. You want to do Emily? Sure, go ahead. Emily writes in, I know this is a little unconventional, but I was wondering if you would give an on-air shout-out to my Patreon slash EPM Discord buddies, Nikki Chuck and Iche. No. The three... No? Just kidding. Okay. The three of us play some map-related games nearly every day over on the games channel, and they just really make my day brighter. Maybe this will entice non-Patreons to sign up. Wait, is the games channels? That's something on our Discord, right? Yeah. That's yeah. one of the I channels to, I don't I look at. I used to, to play some games, but those guys, they're on another level. They're too good. So it's a good channel. All right. And it's very active. I, they, they, there's, there's, when you go in there and you see channels, that one's always bolded. There's some there's channels on our Discord that I don't check in, like parents I don't check in on. I don't have parents. Games I don't check in on. The one for, for people who are not men I don't look at because I'm all man. I wouldn't be able to relate. And there's a couple other ones like um, yeah. a couple other channels I don't look at. Yeah. I look at all of them. I don't like, to, I don't like sound collaborations. That's my channel. Yeah, that one sucks. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know okay. what the hell's going on okay, on that channel, but I check in Okay, okay, but I'm that's not a good zig. I'm not going to lie. You zigged me with anyway. that one. So Emily concludes with, I appreciate you two for facilitating the EPM Discord and bringing folks with funny niche interests together. Okay, so are we going to give a shout out to her buddies, or I guess just by her very, reading her request, we've already given an on-air yeah, shout are, out to Yeah, this. we already have. Okay. All right. So happy holidays to those people. Thank yeah. you for your support. Well, gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. John, we got a we got a um, dispatch from someone named Mush. M U S H. My family and I had a wonderful trip to the Carolina Raptor Center in Huntersville, North Carolina. I've never heard of this. Have you heard of this, John? The Carolina Raptor Center? Oh, I thought you were saying you never heard of Huntersville. 
No. Well, I haven't heard of either, if I'm being perfectly honest. No, Huntersville is a, is a suburb of Charlotte. It's located uh, in the northern okay. part of the great state of Mecklenburg. Got it. The great state of Mecklenburg? Is that what you yes. said? Okay. Yes. I captured some Raptor recordings that you might be interested in sharing on the podcast the next time you deem it appropriate. I suppose that time is now. First up, the red-legged Suriema. This bird only let loose once while we were visiting, but let loose it did, Mush writes. I apologize that the audio recording starts in the middle of its cries as I was trying to see if Merlin could ID it. That's the um, bird identification app, right? All right, let's listen to the red-legged Seriema. And we're back. Also seen but not captured, myriad hawks, owls, eagles, and other raptors, and a few non-raptors. All in all, it was a wonderful time and a big recommendation for anyone within a 45-minute drive and a couple of hours to enjoy. The staff and volunteers were friendly, knowledgeable, and passionate about the birds. The center also houses a dedicated bird hospital where they tend to sick and injured birds before permanently housing them or returning them to their natural habitats. We've got a letter here from Cam. Cam writes in, I work for a giant evil plastics manufacturer. Overall, the job is a drag and makes me feel like part of the problem and not the solution. But working in one of the largest petrochemical processing facilities in North America not only affords me daily views of rail car graffiti from all over the country, but also one of my favorite perks of the job, incredible industrial noise. Here we go. I genuinely love the amazing assortment of rumbles, rattles, roars, hisses, hums, buzzes, drones, drums, squeaks, squeals, warbles, whistles, whines, and more. It's not just the great variety of sounds that excites me, but the incredible intensity. Many areas of the facility are so loud that systems of double hearing protection are required. Yeah, baby. Or permanent hearing damage would occur in a matter of seconds. Wow. Even when the ears are adequately protected, immediate proximity to some of the loudest equipment is legitimately bone-shaking, and I love it. He continues, for both safety and security reasons, phones and recording devices are not typically allowed in active areas of the plant, meaning I may never get to share these truly awesome oral experiences with anyone who might actually have an appreciation. Coworkers couldn't care less, he says. But recently, there was some work being done outside the restricted area, presenting an opportunity to finally capture some of the strikingly musical disquiet I get to savor so regularly, but can almost never share. Please enjoy this field recording of a hydro excavator producing what was, in person, a near-deafening drone with harmonic whines that I found truly entrancing. Here we go. Protect your hearing, he says. Well, all right, let's listen to this recording.
hubba hubba, we're back. Yeah, that was interesting. Send us more stuff, Cam. That's the good stuff. Birds are wonderful, but also uh, industrial noises that's, that's, that live on the, on the razor-thin line between damage and desire. That's, that's, that's where our podcast comes into full flower. I would have liked to have heard uh, some specific decibel uh, levels. Oh. Like how loud actually are How they? loud is it in real life? Yeah. All right, Cam, that's your next assignment. Get us a decibel reading of the Hydro Excavator. Wow, John, what an episode. Let's end it now. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. If you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail, and you'll also get an invite code to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, and bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.